There is a place by me and you shall stand on a rock there and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand and I will pass by and I will take away mine hand and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now Moses is surrounded by enemies and the people of God are down in the valley. They're worshiping a golden calf now, but Moses has a relationship different from the people of Israel. While they are drawing away from God, Moses is drawing near to God. And that tells me that no matter what's going on in the world today, that while others are drawing away and while they're dancing around the pleasures of this life, that's no excuse for you because we can draw near to God. James says to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. He says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. Amen. That's a promise to all of us. And so, 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 so Moses is moving in a relationship that is deeper and deeper and deeper in God. And he says, he finally comes to a place where God's willing to take these, the children of Israel and move them out of this place and head them into the promised land. But he says, he says, I'll send an angel before you to take you on in there. And Moses, thank God, he's in a deep enough place with God that he says, I'm not going if you don't go with me. I would rather stay right here and be in this desert place. I'd rather be in this place right here than I would to move on without you. So I'm not going unless you go with me. And when you look at the situation around the world today, it doesn't look good. We can look all around us at our circumstances and we can see the economy is in shambles. We can see that uh, everything around us is, is in absolute turmoil and decay. We can see the rotting of the nations and the building of the nations apart from God. What you're actually seeing in the world today is a is a is a controlled tear down of the current order in order to bring in a new world order. And all you got to do is a little research online and you'll find out that's the fact, Jack. That, that, that's just what you're going to find out. Not only you can read the Bible, but you can go search the UN. You can, you can go search the World Health Organizations. You can search all of these things that are going on in our world. And let me tell you something, folks. There's stuff going on that, 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 that is not good. There is stuff going on that, that the only fact that it's good is that it's playing into what the Bible says is going to happen. So God is in utter control. He's in full control of what's going on in the world. But when you look around the world at the different situations, it doesn't look good. And, and, and we can, we can get to a place where we, where we, uh, begin to, uh, we begin to worry. We begin to fret. But Moses does something different. Moses comes to a place where he, he begins to realize that God can lift me up out of my problems and He can set me on a rock. God can take me out of the horrible pit that I'm in, a pit of despair, a pit of despondency, a pit of depression, a pit of anger. He can take me out of the pit and He can place me up on a rock that is higher than me. So, so we need to quit looking all around us at the situations and the circumstances and quit fretting. And we need to look to God who can take us and place us higher. Amen? In fact, the Word of God says we're seated with Him in heavenly places far above all this stuff. And sadly, I don't see many Christians living in that place anymore. I see them living in anger. I see them living in emotion. I see them living in despair. I see them living in fear everywhere we go now. Fear, 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 fear. That's all the news is doing now, feeding you fear. That's all the signs you're seeing everywhere you go. All the signs on the floor. It's just fear, 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 fear. Get away from people. Don't stand near people. Put on a mask. This fear, 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 fear everywhere you go. 
And, 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 and so you look at the world and, and Moses is looking. And so Moses cries out to God. He says, show me your glory. And God tells him something very amazing in verse 19. He, he describes His glory to Moses and He said, first of all, I will make all my goodness pass before you. He says, Moses, you need to understand I'm good. It's like the song we sing, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You know, we say He loves me so. He loves me so. He loves me so. He's so good to me. And that's what Moses is. God is saying, you want to see my glory? Okay, I'll show you what I'm like. I'll show you my character. I'll show you who I am. And he, and he lets all of his goodness. He says, I'm good. I'm good. That's exactly who I am. And here's what he says. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll show you my character. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. You will see that I'm a gracious and that I have compassion on people. That I'm a good God. That I'm a gracious God. And I have compassion on people that don't deserve it, that don't, that, that, that don't uh, deserve my, this kind of goodness. And I will be gracious on whom I'm, I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. In other words, it's an active desire to remove distress from your life. God actively desires to, to, to remove distress and give you mercy today. That's what he's saying here. He wants to do this. Moses says, show me your glory. And he says, I'm going to show you how good that I am. I'm going to show you my character. I'm going to show you you my mercy and, and and then he says this and the Lord said behold here right here right here there's a place by me there's a place by me and I can see there's not many people living in this place today because I hear the panic from both sides of the aisle trust me pray for your pastors I mean, it's from the left to the right, the extremes. And, 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 and God says, there is a place by me. And he's up on Mount Sinai, and Moses is he's saying, Moses, come stand right by me. Come stand right next to me. And I want to ask you this, because do you have a place really close to God? Do you have a prayer closet? No, I mean, I, I'm not talking about in your car with a hundred million distractions. I'm talking about do you have a place by Him where you go in the room and you shut the door and you close everything out? I'm not talking about your cell phone in there where you get the Bible and it goes buzzing every five seconds because a new notification comes through. I'm talking about do you have a place? Do you have a place where He's invited you to? On the rock. A place where you can go. I'm not condemning you because I'm preaching to myself this morning to go back to this place. This is a pep, this is to Brad right here. I'm just inviting you all in to come see what I hope to do next week. He's saying, there, he's, he's up at Mount Sinai. He's saying, Moses, come up here and stand by me. Are you really close to him? And then he said, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. If you'll come up here beside me, you'll be standing upon a rock. And Moses is now standing on the rock, Mount Sinai, the Bible says. 
And here's what he says in, in verse 22. He says, while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So he's saying, not only am I going to bring you and put you on the rock, I will put you in the rock. And, 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 and what that word cleft, what it really means is, is it means this. It, there's one thing upon the rock and then it's another thing to be in the rock. But in Hebrews, it means something that has been pierced. It's something that has been split. It's like a little cave. It's something or it's something that's been dug out. And what, what he's saying to Moses is come stand by me upon the rock, but then I'm going to take you deeper. I want you to come deeper into me and I want you to go inside the rock. I want you to come inside and I want to take you a little bit deeper into who I am. I want to show you my glory. I want to show you what I'm like. I want to show you who I am. I don't want you to just get it from the preacher. I want you to come into the rock yourself tomorrow on Monday and I want to show you what I'm like. I want to reveal something to you. Folks, this is for everybody now. You need this message. You, you need this place. Trust me, you need this place. Young people, trust me, where we're headed, you need this place. Your college degree ain't going to get this for you. Your, 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 your job in the future is not going to be a stable ground. Your 401k is not going to be the place you need to be. God's saying, come up by me. There is a place on the rock. And he's saying, if you'll come and you'll go deeper, there's a place inside and I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to reveal stuff to you that only you and I, that I want to show you here. It's only to these. It's not to the ones dancing around the golden calf having orgies. If you're living in sin and having orgies and living with people outside of marriage and doing all the things that the Scriptures condemned, you're not going to have this. You're not going to have a place by God. Amen? Despite what everybody says, sin is wrong. So he, he says, upon this rock, he says, I'm going to put you in the split. I'm going to put you in this pierced place. And he's taking Moses deeper and deeper into the divine nature of who he is. He's saying, if you'll come here and you'll come inside this place, he says, I'll give you a taste of my goodness. I'll give you a taste of my mercy. I'll give you a taste of my compassion. I'll give you a taste of my, my, uh, of my nature. And so God puts Moses into the cleft of the rock. And that cleft represents stability. It represents strength. It represents a place where you are hid with God. We wanted to quote Psalms 91. Uh, before all this went on because we needed that? Well, you know how you get there? This is how you get under the shelter of the Most High. This is how you get. You don't just get it. You, you don't, if you're in, like I said, if you're in sin, if you're separated from God, if you're away from God, if you're the casual seeker of God, this is the people who draw near to God. They come and get put on a rock. They get taken out of a pit. They get on a sturdy foundation. They get drawn into the cleft and God begins to show some things about Himself to them and He begins to Show them that, I, hey, with me, you're strong. With me, you're stable. With me, I'm going to hide you in the secret place like a mother hen hides her chicks from all the storms of coronavirus and from all the race roars and the racial riots and from all the things that are coming on the earth. If you'll come to this place, I will hide you in the safety place from all the storms. And that's the, the so, so we come to that place with Moses. And if you go to Deuteronomy 32, if you'll come to the end, 
of his life. I'm sorry I'm talking so fast. I think I've got to get you out of here. Let me slow down. Deuteronomy 32. Talking like I've had 800 cups of coffee. Deuteronomy 32. Here's the end of Moses' life. And God gives Moses a song. He's been in the rock, in the cleft of the rock. He's been in the secret place. He's been dug into a deeper relationship with God. And in that place, God gave Moses a song. The song of Moses. And, it's, and you only get a song like this after having a deep relationship with God. It doesn't come to the casual seeker. It doesn't come by just coming to church on Sunday, throwing your Bible in the hat rack of the car. I said that word the other day, and all the young people looked at me like I was crazy. They didn't know what a hat rack was. That place up in the window in the back of the car, and never touching it again until next Sunday. It doesn't come. It comes with having a a deep abiding relationship with God that brings all of this together. Here's what he begins to say in this song. Look what Moses reveals that took place over his life from being in this place with God. Verse 4 he says, He is the rock and His work is perfect. Verse 13 says, He made Him to ride in the high places of the earth that He might eat the increased produce of the fields and He made Him to suck or draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. In other words, He he became a father to me. He nursed me with honey. He fathered those who came into the rock. He fathered those who got into a deep place and He nursed them with with honey and He nursed them with oil. You, you, You only get that in the secret place. He begins to take the Word of God and it's like honey to you. And He takes that honey and it goes deep inside of you and it gets out all the bitterness out of you. It gets all the sick places out of you. It takes out all the corrupt places out of our hearts and out of our lives. That honey goes down of the Word of God as you begin to study the Word in this place. Revelation begins to come to you and He begins to speak to you in this place. There becomes a new anointing on you, a fresh anointing that you come out of this place with an anointing to touch the world for Jesus Christ because it's in this place that He puts oil on you. The oil comes upon you and there's an anointing that takes place in the crevice of the rock. He's saying, I will give, I will put honey in you to get rid of the nastiness and I will anoint you. That's why in Matthew 14, Jesus always and in all the Gospels, He constantly is getting alone with the Father. We see Him constantly separating Himself off outside of the crowds and he's getting alone with the Father. He's getting inside the secret place, inside the cleft of the rock. And, and, and that's exactly what we need to do. That's why the disciples never said, teach us to preach. Teach us to teach Sunday school. Teach us to sing. He said, teach us to pray. And to be honest, I don't see many people sadly anymore like we used to that you could point to, that, 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 that prayer life of Jesus attracted something. It attracted something in them and it said, I want that. I want that. 
You walk with the Father. There's something when you go into that cleft of the rock and you come back down from that place of prayer and intimacy with the Father. There's something about that. There's something about you, Lord. There's something you see the importance of waking and rising every morning early to go to that place. And when you come back, you talk like a man who's been in heaven. You talk like a man who is so different from everything around me. Teach us to pray. Teach us to do that. Tell us what to do. And so Jesus is constantly getting alone with the Father. And, and, and so we see that, that, that Moses is doing the same thing. In verse 18, he tells us that he's the rock of our salvation. In verse 18, he says, he's the rock that begot you. Thou art unmindful and has forgotten that God formed you or fathered you. In other words, he birthed you. This rock did. And he brought you into being. He, honey and oil gives the ability to minister, as I said earlier. Look at what he says in verse 36 of his song. For the Lord shall judge His people and, and, and uh, repent Himself for His servants when He seeth that their power is gone. So, so Moses finishes his song like this. And I love this. And this proves that he gets honey and oil in that place because he finishes the song with a revelation that you can't get anywhere but in this place with God. There's no way he can get revelation anywhere else but was shut up with God. He sees all the way into the future to the new covenant promise and listen to what he says in verse 43. Rejoice, O you nations or Gentiles, with my people. He looks far off and he says, you, you, not just the Jews, but all, all who come to this rock, all who come to God, they will be accepted, they will be beloved. And he gives them this new covenant vision and revelation. Where did he get that revelation? Not down in the valley, dancing around some calf. He got it in the cleft of the rock when he went in deeper with God. Amen? So Moses knew this. Elijah knew this too. The prophet who called down fire from heaven. Marx was reading this week from Kings about these very things. And uh, we, we've, hey, I like working from home. I get up early now and I have coffee with my beautiful wife. And we, we sit there and we read the Bible together. Most of the time she's reading something different than I'm reading. But every now and then we get into a discussion together before I start work. If anybody from my work's watching me on time. And, uh, and so, so uh, we get up early. We get up before work. And, and, so, uh, and then she starts her work and I start my work. But, but, uh, uh, and it's amazing. But Elijah, Elijah ends up in a cave. Uh, if you remember the story, here's the, the prophets of Baal are there. And Elijah goes and he calls down fire from heaven. Uh, to make a long story short, later uh, he, he's in a, a birthing position. He's crying out that, that the heavens are shut up with rain. And then he, he cries out in that birthing position and keeps going back and seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand and he asks the Lord to let it rain again. He comes down and supernaturally outruns the chariots of Ahab and, 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 and then we find him where all of a sudden Jezebel, this wicked woman, uh, Jezebel has, has threatened his life and he finds himself ending up in a cave. Guess what? It's on Mount Sinai and a lot of people think it's the exact same cave and spot where Moses was in the cleft of the rock. 
So he finds himself in a similar cave. He's on Mount Sinai where Moses was, where he was tucked into the rock, where Moses said, show me your glory. And Elijah, this warm out, worn out prophet, is climbing up a mountain, finds himself in this cave. A cave means this. It means stripped down. It means naked. It means alone with God. So he has, he has got to a point where he is stripped down. He is naked. And in, in other words, God has let him run out of all his excuses. And he'll let us do that. He runs out of all of his excuses in this place. He's now vulnerable. He is now naked. He is now alone with God. And it's in that place where transformation begins to take place. It's in that place where he can work with, the potter can work with the clay. He can begin to form what it is that he wants to. So Elijah goes inside of this cave and he's tucked in there with God like a parent tucks in their child in the bed. That's what he is. That's what being tucked in to the cleft of the rock. It's like you tuck them in. They feel secure. They feel safe. And now they're at a place where they can hear you read a bedtime story. They can hear you talk to them. They can, they're not scared. They're not afraid. They feel secure. And now they're, they can hear what you have to say. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He's reassuring Elijah. He's brought him to a place where he's tucked in with God, where Elijah is naked and no more excuses. And the Word of God comes like honey and it begins to enlighten him. In the cave comes enlightenment. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? In other words, what are you doing with your life? What's brought you to a place you're running from a woman and you're scared and you're depressed and you're wanting to die and you're in a cave? And he says, come out of the crack, crack of the cave. Come out to the front of the cave, the mouth of the cave, and, the, and Elijah wore, all the prophets wore this short cloak uh, uh, called a, 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 it was a garment's cloak. Uh, I mean, it was a, a prophet's cloak. And, and he, he was wrapped in this cloak just like, uh, it's a type of being wrapped in the glory, wrapped in the presence of God, wrapped in the glory of God, wrapped in the presence of God, just like uh, Moses is in the place where he is. He's communing with God. He's going deeper with God in this secret place. And God brings him outside and he shows all of his power. There's an earthquake that comes and mountain, and the mountains begin to quake and rocks begin to fall. There's a fire that begins to come across him. And then all of a sudden, he, he eats God's Word. And, and, and God speaks to this man. And here he hears the Lord speak and he says, go anoint Elisha. He says, I'm not done with you yet. Your life's not going to end here in a cave. I'm not going to leave you here in your self-pity. I'm not going to leave you here crying and whining. He says, my word to you now. You can hear my word again. And I'm commissioning you now to go outside of here. You're going to take your cloak. You're going to find a guy named Elisha and you're going to wrap him in your cloak. And the two of you are going to hold back the powers of darkness in Israel for the next 50 years. And that's exactly what begins to happen. It is, is, is he goes out, he finds Elisha plowing in the field with some other people. He wraps the cloak around him and they go out. And all because this man found himself in the cleft of a rock. Lastly, David. David lived in caves. And David could say, he is my rock. The sweet psalmist of Israel wrote most uh, or a lot of his psalms. We've been studying them on Wednesday night. And, and David wrote a lot of his psalms from a cave. Tucked in a cave somewhere and hiding. He wrote them in a secret 
secret place where he was. One of the best known caves that we talk about in the Word of God is the cave of Abdullah. And there he could say things like, the Lord is my rock. I know he's my rock. He's my stability. He is my strength. He is my mercy. He is where I get honey. He is where the rock of revelation. He is all of these things. And he wrote Psalms 40. And here's what he began to say. He began to say things like this. He brought me up out of the horrible pit. Now they would, they would dig pits and that's where they would put prisoners. And some of these pits were very, 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 very deep. You could not crawl out of them. They would throw uh, food down. Maybe, maybe somebody would come and throw you some food down there. But it was a horrible pit. And God, David is riding in this place and he's saying, he's saying he brought me up out of a horrible pit like that and he set me upon a rock and he established my goings, the Bible says. So he brings the prisoners out of the pit. He puts them on the rock and then he says this and he gives me a new song. He gave Moses a new song in the cleft of the rock. He gives, he, he gives David a new song in the cleft of the rock. And folks, he'll give you a new song in the cleft of the rock. If you go there, it actually, I love what Carter Conlon says, it actually is a song, if you read it there, that it says it is seen and not necessarily heard. No, your life won't be so bitter and angry and downcast like you think you're still in the pit. No, He sets you on a rock. He establishes your coming and going. Your countenance is lifted by the Holy Spirit. There's a glory inside of your life now. There's a confidence. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it radiates. It sings to everybody. Why are you so happy? Why are you like you are? Why are you not angry at the people in the store when everybody else is is in a fit of rage. Why are you so calm? Why is there such a patience in you? Why such a presence of love in your life when everybody else around here is vying for the toilet paper and vying for everything else? And you say, here, you can have this toilet paper. You know, why is there such a love in your heart? There's a song that is seen upon you. My prayer is that you would get tucked in to the cleft of the rock and there would be a song that would come to you and it would begin to be sung. It would begin to be heard out of your life people would see it and they would be amazed they would be drawn to God folks that's what's going to win the world to Jesus not you screaming not you not you trying to, to it's going to be when they see genuine Christianity bubbling out of your life amen Moses got the song David got the song in the secret place Psalms 92 it says those in verse 13 those that, that, that uh, be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And what will we do? They shall be uh, fat or fresh and flourishing to show and declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. In other words, these people, are they're planted in the house of the Lord. Can I say something? For the last long period of time, you want to know why a lot of churches are destroyed in this nation? Because we are a people now that thinks we can hop from this place to this place to this place and do what we want to do when we want to do it. We're not planted. And when you're not planted in a place and you're shepherded and you're protected and you're fed, my dad and I were having this discussion this morning that we need shepherding because it's the good shepherd that leads us beside still waters. We don't have enough sense as sheep to be good to go there ourselves. He has to lead us. Well, you can't lead somebody when they're in this church this week. That church 
church this week, that church over this week. You can't discipline them. You can't correct them. You can't walk with them. You can't encourage them because they're flittering around here, there, and everywhere. And you definitely can't have them in areas of teaching and nurseries and and everything else. I'm not talking to this church because you're all wonderful and not doing that, right? Amen. I'm not talking about visiting a place. I'm not talking about if we don't have Sunday night service and you go visit. I'm just talking about being planted. We need it it, not just on an internet somewhere, not just just going here every now and then once in a while. It It says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God and in their old age. They'll flourish and they will be be living memorials that show God is faithful. God is a rock. God is a rock. And and, and turn lastly in closing to the song of Solomon. Or some Bibles call it the song of songs. The song of all songs. The song of, uh, of, 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 in other words, there's no other song like this song. And a lot of people say this represents the Messiah and His bride. And listen to what he says. Here's what he begins to write. Song of Solomon 2 and 14. O my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock. You know what he calls those people who are in the cleft of the rock? You're my doves. You're special to me. Those that go deeper, those that want to be near me, he, he, he says, oh my dove, you're in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. In other words, you climb up to this place to be with me, to stand by me and I bring you inside this place and I begin to reveal myself to you. I begin to give you oil and I begin to give you honey. In the secret places of the stairs, let me see your countenance of your face. Let me hear your voice, for sweet is your voice, and your countenance is comely. He's saying, the vo- this is the voice of Jesus to you and me. And he says, my dove is in the cleft of the rock. And he says, turn your face to me, Raymond. I want to see your face. You say, I always pick on you. Today, I'm going I'm to I'm help you out, brother. He says, I want to see your face. I'm not saying it, but Brenda, I think, might say it. You have a lovely face. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want to see you. I want to see you. Sadly, I don't think many people are going to this place to be seen by our Lord. Maybe you are. I hope you are. I I put a high standard on myself that I don't mean to do. I want to go there more, and I want to go there more, and I want to go there more. Amen? And he says, my dove in the cleft of the rock. In other words, those who want to go deeper. He says, with one look of your eyes, you have ravished my heart. You've ravished me. You've ravished my heart. And And he says, let me see the countenance of your face. Let me hear your voice. For sweet is your voice. In other words, you're in the rock. You're united with Jesus. He's saying, let me see your face. Your face is lovely. It's lovely. And in closing, Elijah and and Moses didn't have internet and Netflix so conveniently given to them in quarantines for free. They didn't have these 
as distractions to keep them out of the caves. So we all have distractions, don't we? Before you run to the internet, before you run to the computer, before you run to Fox News and CNN for the daily report of what's going on, before you run to the whatever your poison is, He said, run to me. Run to me. And when you run to me and you bring your Bible, I'll give you honey. I'll give you honey. I'll give you revelation. I'll show you my goodness. I'll let all my goodness pass before you. I'll let all my glory pass before you. I'll, let all, I'll show you my compassion. Maybe if we saw that, we want to take it out in the world. And rather than condemn this whole world, maybe we, would take the, maybe we would want to take it out, the love of God out into the cities and the highways and the byways and the hedges, and we would want to see these people saved. Maybe we want to see the world turned upside down. Maybe we'd be taking it to black and white and red and yellow. Maybe we'd be taking it to Democrat and Republican. Maybe rather than tearing each other down, we begin to go out and we begin to take the message of God's love to the whole world. And they'd see something different in us. And he says, turn to me with all your heart and I will change you. I'll change you. Come up to the mountain. And, and, and here's what happens in the New Testament. I thought I was done. One more scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is how you do it in the New Covenant. It says, but we all with open faces... Beholding as in a glass the glory or the goodness. He said, if you'll come up and stand by me, if you'll come into the cre cre crevice of the rock, you'll be my dove. I want to see your face. And now because of Christ, you have an unveiled face. The veil is, the veil is removed in Christ, it says. And he says, now you with unveiled faces, he says, you are seeing the goodness of God now, the glory of God and you are being changed into the same image as Him from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. You want to change? It's not by willing enough power to make yourself change. It's not by, by preaching the right sermon or singing the right song or teaching the right message or doing enough Bible study. You know how you change. Those are all good things. But you know how you change? Go into the cleft of the rock and stare into the face of the, of the Lord. And that may be in the Bible. That's usually where we stare into His face. But with unveiled face, as we stare into His glory, we are being changed from image to image and glory to glory by the Spirit of God. We're being changed into that image. And that's how we do it in the New Testament. We go into that place. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your Word, God. Lord, You said in Matthew 7, 24, You said the wise man that hears these words and not only hears them and does them. The guy that went into the cleft and he heard the Word of God, he heard the honey words. He got revelation. He said he's like a man who dug down deep on the rock. He's placed on the rock. He's on a firm foundation. He dug down deeper. 
He chose to take the invitation to come up here and stand by me, here by me. And keep digging deeper because I want to bring you inside the cleft. And here I want to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal my character. I want to reveal my nature. I want to reveal all my goodness. I want to let it all pass before you. And it'll change you. It'll change you. You'll be, you'll be safe. You'll be secure. You'll be like the wise man. When the storms of life come, it won't matter what hits because you're safe. You're sheltered safe in the arms of God. So let the storms rage high. The dark clouds rise. They don't worry me because I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Lord, let this sink in, God. Let this sink in, God. The invitation right now to all is come up here by me. You're worried, you're troubled, Moses, about the, the armies, you're troubled about the people down there that are, that, are, that are building golden calves. There's a place by me. There's a place by me. There's a place by me. Don't neglect this place. Don't choose to neglect it. Don't choose tomorrow on Monday morning to pass by this place. There's a place by me. In the rock. In the rock. Jesus on the cross. They wanted to make sure He was dead, so Roman guards took a spear. And they plunged it into his side, into the rock. He is the rock, you know. They plunged the spear into the side, and out of the side came blood and water. And it opened up. It opened up something for us. Just like the first Adam, God put a wife to sleep and opened his side up and formed a bride. Now God was about to fashion another bride. And when this rock was pierced, blood and water came out. And Hebrews 10 tells us this, that you can now come through my blood into the holy place by a new and living way through this, through this place. Because of the blood, you can come to the rock. Because of the blood, you can go deeper today. Because the rock was pierced, it opened up something for you. A crevice, so to say. To be in Christ. And to go deeper. And I hope today that you'll go down deeper.